What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by the one and only Charm City Paintball. Uh, do you guys want like what everybody else has? Do you want the same just laminated and printed headbands and that are made just a million at a time? No. Neither do I. I like them when they're nice and handmade. They're, they're, there's thought put into them. You can feel the quality of work that goes into it. And that's exactly what Charm City brings to you. This guy makes all the headbands that you see posted on his Facebook and his Instagram page. He makes every single one of them uh, by hand. And the lines are awesome. The, the stitching is perfect. Hands down, some of the best headgear that I have ever owned, headbands that I've ever seen. Uh, he just does amazing work. I'm such a big fan of the nice, thick materials and the something that kind of holds its own. And it's not silk screened or, or not silk screened, but uh, sublimated and kind of just, I don't know, that's just me. But if there's, uh, which I'm sure there are, a lot of you guys out there who do like something um, that's, that's a heavier material. I'm telling you, man, Charm City is, is where it's at. And he posts everything that he has on all of his social media platforms and it's great stuff. And I, I'll tell you, the pictures do not do it justice. When you get these things in hand, it is, it is bar none. I guarantee you the best headband that you've ever owned, um, or head wrap or whatever it is that you, that you would get from, uh, from Mike. But I'm telling you, you guys got to check him out. Charm City Paintball. He makes some amazing quality work, and um, I'm I'm super happy to uh, to have him as a sponsor. And he also, we collaborated a little bit on a uh, a run of headbands that sold out super quick. So we're gonna get on another one of those here soon. Um, but it, it's it's just like that. It's you know people who know Mike know his uh, his quality work, and it shows. So make sure you check him out. Please let him know that Carl from the Playing on Podcast sent you over there. We are also brought to you by Melavio. Melavio. Uh, you guys heard me talk about Melavio all the time, uh, but they do great work. Not just their products, because those are amazing. They're a great CBD company, but they also do they, they do give backs. Um, they have a uh, a prize package going on right now with uh, with entries going on. That uh, right now, let me see. It says, uh, "What would you buy with three hundred and fifty dollars?" He has a, a contest going on where you could win 350 bucks, and it looks like a nice uh, goodie box as well. And uh, he's taking entries for that at the moment. Uh, he also has on his website, uh, they, I should say, uh, they have some Tim Montressor Memorial Fund t-shirts where all the proceeds uh, will be going to the, uh, the Tim Montressor Fund. I can read it right here. We will be selling a limited number of, which I don't know how many because they're limited, uh, obviously, uh, will be a limited number of the TM40 Remembrance t-shirts. All the proceeds will be donated to a Tim, to the Tim Montressor Memorial Fund. So that's another reason why I really enjoy working with this company is they love to give back. They love being involved. Um, they make an amazing product for the paintball community and uh and i'm glad to be working with them as well because uh you know not only 
like I said, not, not only do their products work amazingly, I've, I've turned on so many people to, uh, to this company. It's, it's so great. And to CBD itself, but, uh, they, they just do great work and they have all kinds of CBD products, whether it be the, the tinctures, the oils, um, the topicals, uh, the actual flower itself. They also have animal CBD. They have edible, they have all kinds of stuff. They also have merch t-shirts, um, hats, but, you can get it all and find it all at M-E-L-L-O-V-E-O.com. And on top of that, if you guys want to save a little bit more money, you can uh, type in the promo code capital T-P-O-P and you will get 15% off your entire order. So make sure you hit that promo code uh, before you check out to get uh, to get some more off. But thank you to Charm City and to Melavio. Much appreciated, guys. This episode is with the one and only Aaron Foley. Uh, you have heard of Vintage Paintball before. If you haven't, then you got to be living under a rock because he's made some amazing machined markers that were on the market. Archie shot one. They, they keep making these things off of markers that come out uh drewby um templeton shot one and uh they're they're so cool we talk about a little bit in the podcast but the the anodizing the milling everything's aftermarket and they do such a cool job and uh you can find them at uh, i don't know where they are actually i don't know if they're even being sold or if he's making anymore i don't know if they're available so i'm not even telling you that but um but Vintage Paintball is an amazing paintball field. I have not been there, only seen pictures, but I mean, a, a mixture, uh, uh, the pictures just say a thousand words as far as a paintball field goes. Not only does he have a, uh, a top-notch tournament field, but his recreational fields are just amazing. They are such a huge passion project that you can tell that he put his time, money, and effort, and blood, sweat, and tears into and it's so great to see. I really wish something comes along and, and, a, and an event get run there uh, because it looks so much fun. It looks fun as hell. Um, but yeah, you, he's also not only just for that, but he's also been a professional player for teams like Texas Storm, uh, All-Americans, Detroit Thunder, Aftershock, and Excessive. And, uh, and he's made his name known in that aspect as well. And, uh, and I had a great time with him. And uh, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy this one so uh so yeah here it is here is the podcast with aaron foley there he is what's going on brother same old same old man you haven't changed no not not much man just kind of doing the same old thing i gotta be a little quieter because the kids rooms are right above here you know how that goes that's right just no no screaming yell i know how you get but just yeah. no screaming yelling jumping around <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while dude yeah i know dude i know i feel like i haven't seen you in a in a really really long time i think we kind of stepped away from playing competitively for a, probably around the same time no uh i think so i mean years ago maybe well, I stopped playing in, well, I retired in 18, and, uh, but I don't know where, where did you go after Shock? Um, after Shock, I went back and played with Mutiny in 2018, That's and right. uh, we played semi-pro, and we did really, really well. I 
I think we placed in like every event. We won a couple of them, and we won World Cup, which was cool because we were all buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was really fun. But and then when that kind of fell apart, I played a couple of events with that NRG Elite team. Mm. So Mutiny's not in the thing anymore. They are. No, they are. They're uh, they're still rocking. They're still going full tilt. They are um, still playing semi-pro. It was just uh, a little bit like uh, Dan left for the Ironman. Elias went to damage. Brian went to damage. A lot of the dudes that I was playing with were, were gone. Gotcha. So you rock you rock the tea bag in the tea still. Well, I, as I was just talking to you, my, my tea bag <laughs> broke. <laughs> so I was... You like it extra strong. That's right. I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what do you got in there? Just chamomile. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, a good little mix right before bed. Mm-hmm. A little chamomile mix. I like the. I like a nice, uh, black or old gray with some uh, little light honey mixed in there. That's tasty, huh? Oh, so I, tasty. I like tea, dude. I used to not really drink tea, but I. My wife kind of introduced me to it. It's uh. It's a nice change, you know what I mean? As opposed mm-hmm. to just drinking coffee all the time. Dude, it's it's coffee, I swear. I haven't exactly pinpointed it yet, but I'm 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 like ninety five percent sure that coffee is what is giving me my like IBS and my just this like it, because coffee makes you feel like you always have to have coffee. Because yeah. if you're not tired then you need coffee, you know what I mean? And there's such a crash I feel with coffee. And I, I really don't like coffee as a taste, but you yet... You like the, the jazz. Yeah, but still, uh, you know, I, well, I've been doing it for so long now, just with a work routine and, all, you know, everything else, you kind of get into this little bit of a a routine where you're just like, oh, yeah, coffee, duh, okay, do-do-do. And, uh, but dude, tea is so much just smoother. It smells way better. It just has a better aftertaste there's it's so yeah. much better i i enjoy it better i i uh i like them both but uh yeah i kind of had the same thing dude i was wondering what was going on with my guts all the time you know i think we kind of tracked it down to dairy though so idea yeah it's just tough because i love you know cheese and ice cream and all that stuff dude a tall glass of ice cold milk oh, is so tasty <laughs> i know dude it's so tasty. <laughs> but i just can't i can't do it anymore so uh it's uh kind of sucks i actually had a like a surgery and everything for it a while back but it's not a big deal really yeah they were just like the doctor was uh quite concerned just because of the amount of blood and stuff and uh yeah oh, well yeah that would be details, cause concern. But, uh, <laughs> too many details but uh yeah i had to had to go in there and have a look and cut some stuff out and we're good crazy mm-hmm. yeah i think i might have to do the same thing well cut out dairy not go for surgery yet but um i i think yeah i think it's it's time where i'm just tired of i mean coffee already is a you know is a uh what is it a natural reliever so Diuretic. yeah so i'm uh i'm already got like a slight case of ibs and that just kind of accelerates it and then the dairy doesn't help at all so i'm i'm pretty much on the verge of like just I'm good. I'm old enough where I don't want to deal with it all the time. And I, dude, and it's crazy because you think about it. And when you're younger, you like you're so invincible when you're younger. I know. You, I know. Do, you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Like you can go play a paintball tournament, eat like garbage, feel great in the morning, or or even if you felt like shit in the morning, it only took 20 minutes, and you're like 
you're back at it, ready to go. Now it's Rebound. like you gotta kind of like figure oh, dude, it out do, a little longer. I don't do any of the stuff I used to do, right? <laughs> I don't stay up late. I don't drink alcohol. I don't. Do, mm -hmm. The craziest I get is you know once in a while I might have a little bit of ice cream on a Sunday with the wife. Ooh. So I might get crazy. Yeah. See, that's tough in the summer with the kids because they're just always wanting, like, like, oh, daddy, ice cream? It's a hot day? Ice cream? Like, I'm like, you guys got to <laughs> slow down, man. We got to we gotta regulate this to, like, Sunday Sundays or something. <laughs> that's kind of what we do. We, we give the kids, like, instead of, like, you know, ice cream, just give them, like, popsicles. And yeah. More than that, like, they're just, uh, there's a small company called Johnny Pops around here, and their, uh, their popsicles are literally just uh, cream, fruit, and, you know, basic ingredients yeah so they dig those man we need something like that around here i mean dude i don't know what it is with the midwest and just wanting to put as much sugar as possible into everything and just to make because that's what that's what all the ice cream there's no natural ice cream around here anywhere it's no. just it's all just straight from the cow frozen throw a bunch of sugar and just <laughs> fucking rice krispie treats and buttercups <laughs> on top of it and you're good to go yeah, I just experienced that whole that whole kind of thing. We were uh, we were up at my cabin, you know, and my grandma and my mom, and it's just such a it's a kind of a culture shock for me and my wife because we eat super super straight and narrow, like literally like rice and a protein or just vegetables, like very I don't know, not really like paleo or anything, mm -hmm. but like we eat really clean. And we go up there, and it's like grandma's busted on the brownies and the Damn. hamburgers and the. Oh, tonight we're gonna have spaghetti, and I'm just like, whoa, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so tough, especially with the kids too, because you know they're obviously gonna gravitate more towards anything that's sweeter and tastes better than For what sure. they have at the house or whatever. And even like my mom comes over and she like brings the kids over like fruit snacks, like that's yeah. her that's her thing now. Like, mom, you have to stop having this be like your thing because it's really like they have yeah. a snack drawer. And and I try to like go over this with my parents. I'm like, guys, I'm not telling you how to grandparent our kids because they, they're doing whatever they want whenever they go over to your place. But you at least have to make it easier for when they come back to the house that it's not just all they want is sugar and candy and this and that and, and whenever t we try and give them something halfway decently good they're like no you're you're no not happening no my, my my folks are the same way i actually live four houses down from my parents so oh. my son will see he'll be driving his little tractor in the yard and he'll see nana <laughs> home and he'll be like see you later dude <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what i mean and, mm -hmm. and the neighbor across the street well it's the same neighborhood i literally grew up in so literally oh really yeah and uh the uh, neighbor across the street, he's friends with the neighbor next door. It's it's my my one of my best friend's dads. So he cruises over there and he's like, "How about a treat?" <laughs> How about a treat? <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's yeah. like getting cookies and just like, dude, I'm trying to control him right now. Oh yeah, how old is he? Yeah, uh, he'll be three this year. But it's like, uh, holy crap, man! The kid the kid thing kind of blows my mind because there was a point in my life where I really thought like I would never have kids or get married, and now it's like, like undoubtedly the best thing that's ever happened to me mm -hmm. you know what I mean? like it's it's like a little miracle every day dude the things that you see and stuff it's just like it's the coolest it's the coolest yeah. thing and yeah. uh somebody would have told me that before i'd be like no you don't know what you're talking about dude you know what i mean <laughs> yeah dude I, I feel the exact same way my boy just turned four this year and yeah. uh, my daughter's one and there was a there was definitely a period where i was going through 
you know, obviously early mid twenties, even, even into my mid to late twenties, I was like, I was like, man, man, I don't, you know, I don't see myself really getting married or having kids or anything. I'm just like, like, why would I do that when I could do whatever I want to? I don't, I have nobody telling me what to do. And then, and then it got, it got to this point where it was like, what's next? Right. Like we, we, we do, obviously there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go. There's always somewhere you haven't been. Um, and you're not going to be able to do all that stuff. But there's a point in life where I, I think some people hit, or at least for me, I'm obviously speaking for myself, but sure. where I hit, where it was like, I was like, okay, I'm not getting younger. Like you, you have this realization, or I had this realization that it was like, I was like, okay, well, what's what's Plan B? Because Plan A is going great. Like this is this is awesome. Like, but but what is the Plan B? Like, do you know? Do I want to keep doing this? How long am I going to keep doing this for? And and, you know, I see other people starting to have kids and, and my sister had a few kids before I did. And I just kind of I, I f- felt a lot of joy around kids, um, yeah. mainly because I'm super immature anyway. So it's like it's <laughs> natural. So, but but I get I get joy out of really, the you know, the small things in life and just seeing, you know, my nieces smile or anything like that. I was like really happy. And it just got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I just got to, I got to start to pursue this other thing in life, well, which is life and really hunker down on what I want to do and what the future is going to look like. Yeah. It's kind of that transition. I, I don't know, man. There was, uh, there was definitely a lot of times in, in my life where I kind of was like, oh, maybe, no, maybe, yeah, yeah. but kind of came down to the, my dad told me something a long time ago and it was, he was talking about relationships and it had to do with, you know, it's not the the woman that, how, how did he say it? I'm trying to remember how exactly he said it. He, basically, he was like, it's the woman you can't live without. You know mm. what I mean? And that's kind of what pushed us over the edge for me to ask my wife to marry her and, uh, you know, have kids and that whole deal. Yeah. So, but it was, it's good advice from pops, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, you think about it too, you know, we're going to be in that position someday where we're going to have those talks with them. Like right now, they're learning something new every day or at least we're trying to teach them every day and yeah. but you you see those what's so exciting is you see that that progression right you see that progression of learning yeah. and you know, my boy is starting to remember more and and remember things that like or or even notice things like I have a, a Harley Davidson uh keychain on my sure. keys and we went by a uh, a dealership the other day and he goes daddy look it's your it's your keychain and he like points up to the to the logo. I'm like, how did you? Because it's not like I pointed it out to him. Like Harley Davidson, bud. Make right. sure you remember this. He was like, he's just noticing all these small things, and it's like, man, it kind of it puts things into perspective too, because you realize that there's he's learning things, or or they are learning things that you are intending them to learn, but they're also they're absorbing their entire environment. So oh, it's yeah. like, no, it doesn't matter what you do or don't teach them. I mean, it does, but I mean, they're taking in everything. Every, every day is he, he's, you know, starry eyed, you know, yeah. Like, Whoa, yeah. look at that. Look at that. Look mm-hmm. at that. What's that? We're just getting into like, uh, you know, uh, we're making the transition from Duplos to Legos. And so my folks actually saved my old toys and I'm talking, dude, this box is probably like four feet by like a foot tall it's got to be you know thousands of legos and i brought him down there and we're playing with him and he was just blown away you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that was pretty cool 
just to see how how stoked he was on that because I was a huge Lego kid when I was little, you know. Yeah. I still, you know, dude, I'm down there building the pirate ship with him. And... I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love I love Legos too. Uh, the only thing is, my daughter likes to put them in her mouth. Yes. And yes. Uh, and then my son gets really mad at that, and then decides to. <laughs> throw them everywhere and i always miss one and i find it with my foot and they uh, hurt. oh they hurt dude them. they're they're just booby traps all over the place. yeah our, our kids are probably around the same age my daughter is going to be one here uh on this this month so in a couple of days and then uh my son he will be three in september so yeah yeah my my son turned four in march and my daughter turned one in february yeah so yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool seeing them grow up. We're, we're I'm super fortunate to be able to uh, have one of each, man. Uh, we got really lucky. I didn't think we were gonna be able to have uh, any more after the first one, but really, yeah, just uh, lots of lots of just health issues and stuff going on, you know. Yeah. But uh, very very fortunate. It's crazy how kids kind of mature you quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Well, you have you you suddenly become, and it's crazy how you think you think you have it all figured out, and that you're mature enough when they're still inside, and yeah, yeah. even up to that moment of when like you're in the hospital, and you you're still pretending that you're ready, because yeah. it's like, especially with the first one, you're like you're pretending you got you you've researched some things, but you're like kind of not really sweat. At least for me, I wasn't really sweating it too much because I still hadn't experienced it so it's not like i experienced something that i just wasn't totally on you know not prepared for which i I wasn't prepared at all i thought i was but i wasn't (laughs) i don't think anybody really is um uh and you know because i'm I'm kind of like nonchalant about it because i'm like i just it's a baby you know you take care of it and we're here already and i read all these whatever and then all of a sudden she gets wheeled out i was actually i was actually in the operating room and they pulled him and her out like I have, sure. I have pictures and videos of, of like them being pulled out and everything, and I was right there. It was just it was so insane, and uh, and but but they get washed up and everything, and, and I get sent back to the room, and then she gets wheeled back, and then the baby gets wheeled back, and then they're kind of like, all right, good, you know, for the most part, good luck, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then they they release you the next day or whatever, and you're kind of looking at the baby, and you're like, oh, all right. Fuck. Here, here we go, <laughs> dude. Dude, it's it's a, it's an intense thing, man. It's it's you're you're suddenly put into this responsibility that you've never had before, yeah. and it's just obviously I'm not out here promoting to go have kids because everybody's different. But it's you people who think they know who own dogs and are like, oh, it's just like you know, it's just like having a dog, you know, it's like a not so hairy dog. It's not the same, man. It is not the same. <laughs> How about, how about the amount of respect that you had for your wife after that day? Oh, dude. I was like, you know what? You you got you have all my respect. You you were the baddest ass woman I've ever met. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was just like, my dad told me that that would happen too. He's like, you just wait, son. Your perspective of your wife is going to change a little bit. You know what I mean? And I was just like, after that day, I was just, holy shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was intense. You know what I mean? It's another one of those things where you think like, I've gone through some pretty decent pain before and and it's like okay i'm like babe you got this you know you you got this don't worry about it you got it you know she starts having all these contractions and then feeling these things and obviously i am completely and utterly ignorant to what she's going through and um 
and you know I, I look back and I'm like Jesus dude it, it's I can't imagine having something inside of me rolling around and moving and you have no control over it. It freaks me out thinking about it. <laughs> so th- this is this is a good show. So yeah, so far we're right on track with everything. <laughs> does this does this go on the show? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's really there's not much. I mean, I'm sure some people are like, okay, come on. But I, dude, I'm so like, I love talking to people just from the ground up you know what i mean Can, and and candidly. you know it, it's like and the thing is and what i love about what i love about this podcast is obviously is, is doing it um and, and hearing everybody's story that you th- i thought i knew and then yeah. i finally you know people open up and you you kind of you dig you know seven more layers but what's what's awesome about podcasts is no matter what you talk about on a podcast or what you listen to or hear on a podcast you will be able to relate. Someone will be able to relate in one way or another. And I think that's what's so versatile about yeah. it is that it's just, you know, you can, this obviously is a paintball podcast, but it's like what we'll talk about is the, so broad that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's going to relate to it and be able to be like, oh, yeah, I didn't know they had this perspective on this and I feel the same yeah. way. And, more, of a, more of a paintball lifestyle or, you know. I, I think a lot of people want to hear that. They want to hear the the history, or they want to hear how these guys are doing things, or what what their daily lives are like, or because that's what they don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if they don't like the podcast, they don't have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> there's other there's other podcasts out there. And that... Yeah, that's kind of that's all I really listen to, buddy. So I'll be you know, obviously I have a a large paintball facility, so I am on the lawnmower quite often. So, <laughs> yes, and I want to I want to talk about that for sure. But yeah, with podcasts for me, um I can't p- podcasts I listen to mostly and and music is for like for me music is is something I listen to now of when I'm I'm like just kind of filling air space yeah. and t- yeah. and time almost it's like I'm doing something where I can't concentrate on a podcast that I'm listening to because if I if I can't listen to the podcast while I'm doing something, I'll have to listen to music because I, I intently listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like it because it you know kind of gets me out of there. I can mm-hmm. listen and tune into the podcast rather than like you know stare at the corn. <laughs> <laughs> A super Midwest hobby that I understand. <laughs> so for me, for me, I, I don't know. I uh, I used to listen to like the the MF CEO. That was a cool one. Um, What's I that like one? that Andy. It, it's uh, Andy Frisella. He does this MF CEO project, and uh, it's mm. more of like a business entrepreneurial podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of like the Ed Milet stuff. Or the the Joe, first one. I, I like Joe Rogan, and yeah. you know, all the normal stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird just, how Rogan has become like a normalcy. Yeah, really weird. You know, you gotta kind of take that one with a grain of salt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it because of the versatility of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you think you have him in the corner, he's like, no, man, it's aliens. It's <laughs> mushrooms and, you know, just off the wall stuff. Yeah, oh, and I love it because you have the you have the you his buddies that, he, that come on, the other comedians, or you have um, neurologists, or you have, you know, a, a, an alien expert or this or this expert about this and this and this, and it's just so what, – what I always get caught off guard with is, like, when a podcast – I'm listening towards the end – and, and another podcast comes on and I don't recognize the name and I just start listening to it 
and it ca- I love it when that happens because then it catches my interest. Um, because sometimes I'll go through if I start like missing some episodes, I'll just start kind of going through and finding like names that I like see that are that are familiar to me, and then I'll I'll, I'll kind of skip some and and go to directly to that one. But I know there's a lot that I have missed because I've done that before in the past, and I've gone back and saw like clips, and I was like. Oh, that sounds like a great podcast. Now, now I have to go back and like listen to that one. But yeah, yeah, no, I totally know what you're talking about. I have a hard time like jumping around, so I'll be like, "Oh, this guy's cool," and then I'll start at the beginning and just run through it all. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Binge, it's binge it's listen. cool. It's cool. It's it's like um, I think that was one of the big reasons why I started this too, is because I feel like there was there was this void of like we all have these paintball stories, right? And we all have these like individual paintball stories that we always we tell all the time but then there's there's a point where like they're stopped being told and unless they're on film or i mean i don't know or magazine or article there's no really other way to really in, you know ingest the the stories of right. of the past and like you know now finally we have this platform where we can go on and do that and as long as people like yourself and and, and others are willing to sit down and take the time to to kind of talk about that you know, it's we'll we'll be able to uh, kind of indulge ourselves. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad how we've lost a lot of those forms of media. The magazines were always a big one for me. I okay. loved all the magazines. You know, try to get everyone go to the go to the bookstore and pick them up every month. And I always thought that was really cool. The podcast thing you're doing is awesome. You know, Go Sports is really trying to do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really trying, um, but it's tough, man. It's tough. There's you know, you need money to do cool stuff. So. I know, right? It's kind it's, of a catch twenty two, you know. Seems like the government's just giving it away, so I don't know what. <laughs> I, mean, I, you know, we got to figure out a way. Yeah, yeah, but yet we're still going to pay taxes. They should just print more for oh, yeah. taxes. <laughs> That's how you fix the tax problem. You just things increase in in cost. You just print you know? more fucking money. There That's a big go. deal. They get yeah. twenty dollars an hour that everybody's making to just, you know, do. A small like what's so what was it was it the um the fast food workers that were wanting 15 an hour yeah just i think they wanted to make minimum wage 15 dollars an hour so you know those are entry-level jobs they're meant for entry-level workers and they were trying to make that wage a working wage it was the goal i believe right and then you're trying to match that with you know housing food and uh... right and the problem is is you know those are entry-level jobs for you know, high school kids or part-time kids or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's that, that would put a lot of small businesses or smaller companies out right. to pay those guys, you know? I mean, a lot of those guys maybe in the company's eyes might not be worth 15 bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It would be, it would be kind of the same position that you would be in. I mean, you, I'm sure you have guys, uh, that, or, or refs even imagine yeah. if you had to pay the rest $15 an hour. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. Sure. what you yeah. what you pay your guys but if you had to pay every single one of your employees $15 an hour and they just started and have well, zero experience right that's the hardest part right is cuz you know our sports really unique uh, most of our staff members have to acclimate you know it mm-hmm. takes them a month especially you know cuz we're a lot of times getting guys who don't know anything about paintball and that's okay cuz we'll teach them the right way and get them acclimated but you know those guys really aren't doing what they should be the first couple of weeks or the first couple of days. You know what I mean? They're really mm-hmm. learning the, the basics, how to fill air tanks, what, what our courses are called, you know, really basic right. stuff. So now 
I couldn't see paying them 15 bucks an hour. Not at the beginning, you know? Yeah. How many, how many do you employ with all the fields uh, that you have? Usually we have, we try and carry like a raw, we call it like a roster of 10. Mm-hmm. So, and ours is really, you know, we have a really like skeleton crew. Uh, we have a really great manager. Uh, his name is Mike. He's been with us for a long time and we have a really great assistant manager. His name is Ted. He's actually leaving for the Marine Corps this August. Ooh, um, and, uh, the other guys are, you know, part-time have been with us for a couple of years new kids and stuff like that but yeah pretty basic stuff as far as like how the company is structured you know right uh assuming they all play no honestly man a lot the majority of the newer staff members really don't play they were just like they saw our job listing and were like wow i get to work outside fresh air guaranteed raise every year really relaxed environment weekends and on-call tips you know they just kind of mm-hmm. put the ad together and were like wow that sounds like a good time you know everything's provided for them so they don't really have to take care of it but yeah, uh, we had a lot of applicants, especially with this whole COVID thing going on. You know, I think a lot of companies went under or mm-hmm. shut down, and we're fortunate enough right now to be still going. Yeah, that was my. I was going to kind of segue into that. Um, how has that affected your uh, your field? I think. Uh, well, we were shut down for a, uh, a period there. I want to say two months, but the hard part was is we we're coming on, we're seasonal, right? So mm-hmm. we're coming off of the winter. So really we were shut down for like six months. Right. So that's really hard to start that machine back up and catch your tail. And you know, um, a lot of guys were, a lot of companies were upset cause they were shut down for a couple of months. Well, we basically had to reboot after six months, man. So that right. was, that was really, really hard on us, but, uh, it's all about keeping people safe. You know what I mean? Like it, people's safety is my number one priority. And I think, most people would agree you know i think that's the hardest part with that whole everything going on right like well people don't want to get their friends and family sick or anybody sick they just don't know if they're sick you know what i mean i think that's the hardest part with everything going on but yeah that we actually uh people think because we shut our retail store down in that transition Mm -hmm. uh we had a standalone retail store in the city but people thought that was because of covid It, it actually wasn't it was our lease was up and the the brick and mortar stuff just wasn't working anymore we really wanted to transition that same selection to our field and so we didn't really shut it down we just moved everything out to the field we just felt like you know most of the regulars are going to buy from us anyway right our members are going to buy from us anyway the same guys who are ordering are still going to order online so like we might miss a couple of walk-ins but the overhead is cut way down yeah oh absolutely so i was able to actually while we were in like shutdown mode I literally, I didn't have anything to do. So I literally just moved everything from the store every day out to the park and cleaned up and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but it, it was good that our good timing on our part, that that lease literally ended like as the shutdown happened. So jeez, oh, yeah, got kind of lucky on that one. Cause if we had to pay those bills, you know, that'd be yeah. Tough. yeah. Um, <clears throat> as a Midwest field, this was a question I wanted to ask you for a while as a Midwest field. Do you think it's, it's one of the most important things to be the best field that you can be the best, the best facility, um, that you can, because you are seasonal, because you're not open year round, like a, like a, you know, a a Texas field or, um, you know, a a California field. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, dude. So I, I, I was talking to the managers. We had a, we have a bunch of staff meetings and stuff all the time. And, 
you know, the one thing that really frustrates me is, is I think like our infrastructure, our build out is is really, really well done as opposed to our, our competitors. Um, but when these people are booking games for a paintball field, I think they're not putting apples to apples. They're literally like, what's the closest one? Oh, those two? Oh, which one's cheaper? That one. That's mm-hmm. where I'm going. At no point in their mind did they ever go, that place looks like Valley Fair and that place looks like Billy Bob's Backyard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, 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 they just don't care. And that I think that's really, really hard. So going back to your seasonal question, yeah, I think for regular gun owners or guys like me and you who are stoked on paintball, for sure. But on the 80% of people who are playing the game on a recreational basis, I don't know. I yeah. don't think they care. And that kind of makes me sad because that's what we're we're known for you know we're known for really cool fields because dude i'm a nerd about it bro i literally go <laughs> i out can there tell dude I'm from the shoot. overhead videos i can tell oh love it i like oh before we put the castle out dude i i set up a scaffold and like shoot the shots i'm like okay right where the ball arcs <laughs> you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah or like you know i think it's cool i i want to i want to change it up i want to have cool stuff because i i play there with those guys every weekend you know mm-hmm. i love to be part of it i love paintball it's also a big difference as opposed to everybody else, right? Like, you know, I, I a lot of these field owners aren't out there digging the holes, mowing the lawn, playing every weekend, answering the phone. They're not, like, they're not doing it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're very, like, either they're behind the register or they're totally detached or, or whatnot. But, dude, I'm in it. I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Paintball. Yeah. You know? That's, that's awesome. Do, do you... Uh, so, so what do you guys do for that specific problem of people looking for the cheapest or or whatever's closer? I mean, is there anything that you try and do as far as marketing wise to catch, you know, I don't, the players? Yeah, eye? I mean, we do we do you know your basic stuff, your your basic social media, your 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 email stuff, your um, you know, your specials as far as like third party companies like mm-hmm. Groupon or something like that. We're constantly trying to reach out to those customers. Um, I'm trying to change it though, rather than I, I want those people to be like, look, look. That's why the overhead videos. That's mm-hmm. why the overhead photos. It's like, no, look. Perspective. You, yeah, and then the other part of that is, is you know, our pricing structure has to be comparative. You know, like I can't, I don't want to be the most expensive guy, but I certainly can't be the cheapest guy when I'm the best guy. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? You can't hold up the best facility and be the cheapest out there. Correct. Yeah, that, that's not what I'm trying to do. I, I'd like my pricing structure to be somewhere in the middle. You know, it could be the second most expensive or the third most expensive. Um, and then it's got to be the best as far as your experience goes. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest one for me. Because it, it makes me sad, too. Like, there's a lot of these other places that are, you know, they're doing really well. But when you go there, that's not real paintball. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that makes me sad. Little Jimmy comes to my place and he's like, whoa, this is insane. That's what I like to see, man. Yeah. That's where it makes well, me wake up every day. You know what I mean? Exa- well, and that's going to be your return customer too, because you're going to have, you're going to have a parent <clears throat> that possibly brings, uh, you know, their 14 year old and his friends or whatever over and they have right. an awesome time and they might go experience another field, but they're like, yeah, no, Ma, I want to go back to this one. Yeah, that, I mean, that stuff makes me really cool. When the little guys come out and they see, you know, they have their birthday party, we started doing this thing, you know, we a lot of fields and, and stuff, they'll, like, upgrade their gun or, you know, do some sort of perk for the birthday boy. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of years, 
I was just like, dude, you're the birthday dude. And like, we have custom jerseys that we make. I'm like, here's your custom Jersey. And that's, that's been pretty insane. So this, now this little dude, he's like basically labeled as like the special guy. And mm-hmm. that like, what's been really cool about it is I've literally seen that little dude book his birthday party and then his buddy the next week or next month or whatever. And then he'll loan that Jersey to that dude. <laughs> and like, nice. These same kids, these same 15 kids all have their birthday party. Yeah. But I don't know. The Jersey thing seemed to like really hit home with them for some reason. Well, I think it's, it's just a little, it's unique, right? It's a little, it makes somebody feel a little bit more special and a little bit more, uh, you know, standalone-ish or standout-ish. Yeah. And that's kind that was kind of the point, right? You know, it also made him a little bit, you know, they're padded jerseys. So maybe he felt a little bit more, I'm a little tougher as far as he's a, he's a little dude, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just really worked well for us. It, uh, it's, it's been a fun thing to see those those kids get so stoked. And now those same kids, those same 15 kids that I'm talking about, dude, I see them all the time. They play the big games. They're, you know, they're 13, 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of, having kids too, like what we were talking about before, that really starts putting things in perspective too. When you're running a company like this or you're doing, you know, any sort of, you know, any, any sort of sport like this. Cause I think about my son or my daughter, you know, like bringing them out, what would they want? How would they want to be treated? Yeah. And so that correlation really helps me sometimes, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a good perspective on your part um, because it, it pretty much makes you a, a very decent and solid headed business owner because you're coming from that perspective. Yeah. I don't, you know, Obviously, everyone has their own agenda, but right. I don't know, man. Me and me and you know Dano, Dan Norcross. Yeah, he we're still super close. You know, he lives in California, but we talk probably every day and stuff. And we're always talking about business and and that. And it's all about, dude. I want to do stuff that you know helps people or makes people happy. And uh, just making money doesn't make me happy. You know, mm-hmm. I want to I want to change people. Whether you know, I'm doing my small part by you know, giving a kid a good birthday party or, or making some guy super stoked at a tournament, you know, it, making people happy is a big deal. Yeah. What, was it always like that for you? Because I know for me growing up in my twenties, like now I feel like because I have, because I had kids and obviously getting older, I've been yeah. humbled severely. Um, yeah, when I was, sure. uh, when I was younger and coming up, dude, I felt like it was such a different mindset, dude. I felt, and I don't know if it was because of just we were we were guys in our twenties, but I like I felt kind of more arrogant than I should have, more all knowing than I should have, and uh, I I had this just transition of like, like just needing to be humbled, and I think yeah. kind of towards the end of my paintball career and and then having kids and everything has really helped me do that. Yeah, no, I I agree. Jiu-jitsu probably helped with that too. That helps a lot too. When you get strangled by a fucking, <laughs> it helps a lot actually. That's yeah. a it's a very humbling sport, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and and same as um, you know, same as paintball too. When you start getting snapped by somebody who's starting to work harder than you are, when uh, when you're not taking the sport as serious or working as hard as you should, then there's you know that's that can be definitely as humbling as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, uh, I don't know what changed obviously as we were growing up, I think, you know, it's definitely tough cause everyone's fighting for that roster spot. So everybody, you know, you're all buddies, but you're still fighting for that same spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're all young testosterone filled fellas. And, uh, yeah. 
I think there was definitely a, I mean, there was a point there where we were getting paid a lot of money to play paintball. So, um, everybody wanted that. That was the dream, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that that can definitely get competitive for, for a really long time. I'm, I'm almost like, this might sound crazy, dude, but I'm almost ashamed of the person that I was. Dude, I f- there, there's definitely bits, big chunks and pieces of the person I was who I'm like not the proudest. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't regret anything. No, um, never. never. I, yeah, I don't regret anything. I, I would have probably now would have made some different choices, but it's it, you know, <laughs> but I don't regret anything. But I'm yeah, definitely. Look, f- just as an example, this is something I wanted to bring up. Um, and this actually plays in perfect of me being like an asshole when I was younger. But did, did we have some kind of a feud when I first moved to Minnesota? And I, I don't think we were ever, we were like, we didn't start off on a good foot, I, I think. I, I honestly, I don't remember. I just remember us playing at the indoor and uh, aerosol, and right? We, and yeah, and we got into it for some reason. Um, I, I really don't remember why. Because I was a hothead and, and and the new guy and wanted to be, wanted to to hold my own probably. Yeah, I I honestly don't remember. I that was probably like, I think I was playing on shock and you were playing on excessive. No, I no I was on, I think at the time I think I just got on, avalanche. Okay. And. I remember. I'm pretty sure you were wearing your uh, your All American jersey. So it was even earlier than that. Because excessive, well, because excessive was '06, was end of '04 to '06, and then '07. I think it was during '07. Hmm. I think. I just remember. I remember that uh, you had an excessive one of the private label egos that was pretty cool you had yes. a straight macro fitting so I couldn't hold it right <laughs> dude that's the only way I liked it because I didn't like the stupid silly little like mat when people had like a four inch macro I'm like what are you doing get that silly thing out of here it's so weird that you remember like the details you know, oh, I'm a nerd dude I'm, I'm a deep down nerd too when it came like I, I always had to clean my shit a certain way it had to look a certain way it had to feel a certain yeah. way I'm a, dude, everybody's a paintball nerd some in some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's kind of what makes paintball so fun, right? Because it's all the tech stuff and the gun stuff. People really nerd on that. How many people do you think? I, I'm, I'd like to see this poll. How many people are more focused on the tech gun stuff? You know, you see them all the time. They never play. They mm-hmm. play three, four times a year, but you have eight guns and you trade and buy and do all this stuff. Yep. There's a lot of people like that, man. I mean, there's guys who come to the field and you know shoot and tune their autococker and they don't play any games they're just pecking their guns <laughs> that's super it, nerd dude you, that's, know what I mean? yeah. you can't but my point is is like you can't do that in jujitsu like no. hey bro what do you think of my gi <laughs> like no it's like yeah i notice you you you'll notice i have a new gi and i notice that that guy hasn't washed his gi right since the last time so it's gonna be interesting yeah well i think i think now too uh you know with like uh, seven man and, and semi-auto and everything i think people tweaked and tuned their tournament markers a, sure. a lot more back then because you were shooting it with the semi-auto and everything i think now i think I, honestly i think everybody uses default settings and they just switch it over to fucking nxl and 
and then that's it and then and that's it because even even during 2018 and 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 17 and everything dude there were so many guys that i knew that were just like doesn't work and like hands it to the tech and the tech puts a fucking battery in it and then like (laughs) i remember so i remember there was a there was a big thing it was i was on excessive and uh i think it was oh five it was oh five or oh six and i remember one tournament we were playing against Dynasty or some somebody fucking that was just. It was 05 against Dynasty in Chicago uh, PSP uh, finals. Sure. Sure. I just watched the PB Star video, and <laughs> I remember it specifically. Where did you see that? <laughs> I it just came up randomly on fucking YouTube, and uh, and I I uh, there was this this clip where Davey Williamson comes back. Shout out to Davey, by the way. And he, he comes back into the pits and he goes, I don't know, it just keeps shutting off. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with it. <laughs> that was literally one where he like threw it to the tech. The tech literally opened it up, hadn't been cleaned at all, takes the battery out that's probably like had like, uh, what is it, where it's like ex- explodes and shit and it's all <laughs> over the place. And, and he goes, when was the last time you changed your battery? And Davey goes, I don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like stuff like that where it's like I'm changing my battery every every chance I get I'm changing my battery <laughs> see and I'm sure Davey would, would want to if he could go back he probably would take that back he would <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was that was one of the number one things I remember just about st- a simple teching your marker is if anything starts to be fucking weird about it yeah. change your battery dude people People check their guns in for service, and sometimes that's just the only issue. Like, <laughs> yeah, that'll be, I have to charge them. You know what I mean? Like yep. I, I'll tune it up and clean it for them and everything. But sometimes that's the that's the actual issue. It's, yeah, uh, kind of sad. Yeah. Well, um, was it is it the die markers that have a charging pad or something? Yeah. Inside. Yeah. See, do, um, I was talking about this with a friend of mine. Why don't they have a battery built into the case and you charge the case and then that way, like, if you are, like, if you did forget to charge your marker, it's already charging in the case. Like, if you've got to fucking plug in the, the pad or whatever, then you just plug your That's case in. And the, yeah. That's a good I, idea. I, I see. I always thought kind of like, I think Planet is really killing it with the double A's in the front of the guns. Yeah. But I was always I always wanted that to be uh, rechargeable. But if you didn't charge it for some reason, you could just put regular double A's in. Right. So you could go back and forth. So I, I I think it'd be cool if the gun came with a rechargeable option, but it also took the double A's uh, for a backup option. Because yeah, you know so. most guys most guys that oh I got off a plane I got to go right to practice or whatever you know like mm-hmm. should have it should be a little more versatile. Yeah. I think uh, I think Horvath was telling me his his lady is like a engineer and she was saying that uh the technology in our paintball equipment is not very sophisticated (laughs) (laughs) and but and the thing is is like in spots it is like in Ah. you you think about it it's like in some spots it is if you really look at it because uh i i talk to a lot of engineers too being a technician um and I, i just look at a lot of uh mechanics and you look at some things you're like that's super smart and then you look at other things you're like why hasn't that changed like, like, why hasn't that been addressed, or why hasn't this been addressed? And 
You know, it's it's all easy to point the finger, right? Oh, super! If they, if they have a better idea, let's see it, man. I'm I'm all I'm all ears. That's why the internet thrives, dude. It's everybody's opinion board, and it's so easy to pin something up on your opinion board because I can't I can't do it, dude. That, no, I, I'm not a social media dude at all. I <laughs> it it makes me unhappy <laughs> to yeah. look at the stuff. I'm just like. I can't. I gotta. I gotta get out of the matrix. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's it's insane. Like there are some things like I enjoy. I enjoy watching and learning from YouTube. Like mm-hmm. that's that's one big thing for me. I use it as a tool, right? Some I use for entertainment, but I would say ninety percent I use it as like I'm trying to learn something or something that's super interesting to me that it would be value in my life. Sure. Like I'll I'll watch it and read it and um. But other than that, like I enjoy obviously really good pictures and I'm very visual. That's why Instagram for me is is cool. But it gets like super weird, super quick, super boring, super quick. But it's super addictive because I think I think the reason why, excuse me, social media is so addictive is because there's always something new. And and the human being in us the the innate character inside of us is always looking for that new more exciting um dopamine drip pretty much mm-hmm. and yeah. being able to scroll on instagram or or facebook is something is always there's always content there's always mm-hmm. content it's the same reason why fucking youtube has instead of the video stopping it just has a little thing where it's like i'm going to play another video and you're gonna watch it at the, at the end. So it's like it, there, there's a there's a there's something there's a reason it was engineered the way it was, and, sure. and the way it is. It's just it's it's super consumable, and unfortunately, it's the same same reason why a bunch of people play video games. Um, it's there's it something where you can log on and it's fucking there yeah. all day, all week, all year. Yeah, I mean, g- going back to like. You know, paintball. I think video games. You know, social media. All this stuff's gonna definitely impact our industry, man. You know, these kids are putting down the paintball guns and for the for the controllers and the uh, potato chips. Yeah, yeah. I well, and and speaking of Rogan and all this, I guess he's in hot water about talking about you know uh, video games. And uh, he was he had some comment about like video games don't take you anywhere. This and that. This and that. I think. Yeah, that I actually was, listened to that one, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he was more or less talking about, like, if you're not doing it for a living and right. you play video games, it's it's a time suck. I mean, that's all it is because I've, I remember I don't have a console or anything like that, and I remember one day going through and playing for four hours straight and kind of looking around and going, what the, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, where – I did I, I did nothing for four hours pretty much. Nothing happened. Like, nothing was accomplished. And – and that's what Rogan was trying to say, right? Like he's like, dude, you could you could have spent four hours doing jujitsu and actually learned some stuff, yes. or you could have done you know paintball or wh- whatever your your bag is, and instead of just time sucked it away on something that's passive. Right, right, exactly. And obviously, you know, esports is a giant, just mega monster uh, that's only getting bigger. Mm-hmm. But Not um, for sure. but I I mean that's got to be a thing that's. That's going to be certainly something that everybody's going to have to have to contend with because, I mean, it obviously makes people money, and then people are becoming millionaires, and people are being able to do it for a living. But there's there's something about sitting in front of a screen for hours that is just not good, not good. 
So what do you think about your kids and them growing up and that all being available and how are you going to limit all that? And and especially with schools wanting to, we're going through a thing now where we're going to have to do, we're choosing to do remote learning because they want to throw kids back in the schools and the way that the school is structuring it, we're not really totally agreeing with. So, um, and he's only in preschool, so it's not like super mandatory, but he's at all in an IEP class because mm-hmm. he's like has some uh, a little bit of a speech impediment not much he's done thousands percent better but um he's uh, we still want to enroll him in that just for the simple fact of like interacting with kids and being around kids and, and, yeah, and having that experience but the way they're doing it we're not really kind of on board with so we're going to do more remote learning which means more time in front of the screen um but the way i think of it is You can only do so much, right? Like you, you can try and regulate it as much as, you, as as much as possible. Like that's what we try and do. We try and have the TV on only for a certain amount of time. Um, him in front of a screen for only a certain amount of time, whether it be a phone, tablet, whatever, which is not much at all. But we, I try and occupy him with flashcards, with puzzles, with outside, with nature, with learning all these different things. Um, but there's going to be obviously a point when it comes up to like you, you have to be control over it. And that's the scary part because my niece just turned 16 um, this month and I had this weird thing. So we were at my my sister's party. We just pretty much stopped by because we're still trying to social distance from everybody. And we pretty much just stopped by, dropped the presents off, said hello from a distance, kind of just hung out because we hadn't talked to everybody in a while and then then left. But I had to run in the house for something. And she has three girls. Uh, Her youngest is five or... uh, six and then uh her youngest is six and then it goes 10 and then 16 and it's weird because you i walk i felt like i walked through the generations uh going into the bathroom because my son had to pee um because the the six-year-old was outside having a great time in the pool right and then you go in and the uh the 10 year old or 11 year old is in the kitchen and she's with her friend and they're like making this like mud pie, like cake dessert thing. And they're like, they're still kind of goofy in that stage, but it's kind of getting serious and making stuff. And then I hit the living room and then there's my 16 year old niece with two of her friends on the couch with their faces in their phone, complete silence, nothing happening. And I, we literally walk in, I make eye contact with one of her friends uh, my niece still is looking down. The other friend's looking down, and then she makes eye contact with me, and then looks like down on my phone. I'm like, all right, and then just we walk into the bathroom, <laughs> and that was all I've ever heard from her friends. Like the whole, we were there for like maybe 20, 25 minutes, and none of them came out. None of them said hi, and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, it's not healthy, man. That's not a healthy interaction. No, and 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 it. Well, what scares me more is that there are parents out there. Um, that are just as bad yeah and there's a lot of parents that are just they don't want to they just want to be left alone so they're like here you go that'll keep you occupied here you go here you go right that that makes me sad man because i play with my little dude all day you know or we're outside a lot he's super into like tractors and the pool or Mm -hmm. whatever you know like real basic stuff but yeah i can't even imagine man i can't even imagine yeah because i hate the time away from them 
Yeah. Like I struggle with the time away from them because I like I feel bad when I have to do something. Like I have to get something done. Like the other day I was um I was having to interact with people online because I I released these headbands and mm. I'm trying to like get that going and then get them all packaged up and I got them out and everything and them coming up to me and like wanting to do stuff and I'm like I really got to do this. I got, I felt terrible <laughs> kind of trying to get all this stuff done, but but yeah, I I you know, I, I understand when people are working in nine to five and they come home and they want to relax and they want to just, but the thing is, is that when that's when your kids want the most attention from you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not trying to tell anybody how to parent their kids. I'm just, that's my own experience. But, but yeah, um, it's, it's insane though. Like just how much people you see who are our age texting and driving who are, um, have kids in the back seat, not in a car seat, and have phones in their hands with headphones. And you're like, come on. I'd rather have my kid bored in the back seat with no phone and he has to look out the window and use his imagination rather than like just, I don't know. That's, that's what we do, man. On the way to the cabin, it's a couple hours. And it's just like, hey, buddy, look, there's an excavator. Hey, dude, look, there's a water tower. Mm-hmm. And just talk, you know, interact with him. And then, you know, half the time he crashes out, but yeah. there's no, uh, there'll, there'll be no screen time. Mm-mm. No, no, because then I'll get the uh, the occasional, like, he'll be quiet back there, but then I'll get the occasional, Dad, there's a deer. And then we'll, like, look over, there's a deer over there. Like, he'll notice the stuff. It's like, yeah. But anyway, let's, uh, I kind of want to go back into paintball. Um, sure. How did, how did the field come along? How did, how, where did you get to this point in your life where you're like, we need another paintball field. I want to do it. I want to run it, and I want to do it my way. Yeah, I mean that's a good, that's a good question, buddy. The uh, the paintball field kind of happened organically. You know, uh, I graduated college, and I was just working, you know, part time jobs, kind of like filling jobs, painting here, landscaping there, doing odds and ends. Really didn't know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. And all I ever wanted to do was play paintball. And I thought about paintball. I did paintball. I, I traded guns online. I, I did whatever I could to make a little bit here, a little bit there. But mm-hmm. it was always on my mind 24 hours a day. And uh, kind of like that whole recession time hit, right? And uh, my some of my odd jobs kind of went away. And uh, I started pretty much driving around and uh, literally just driving around. And uh, it happened very, very organically. I started visiting paintball fields that I knew that were there in the past. And um, this one that I happened to drive by, it was you know late in the day. Uh, they were gone from this whole recession thing. And uh, I just made a couple of phone calls. And literally, I promised the guy who owned the land that I was just going to clean it up because it was in shambles. So mm-hmm. it took me just a full-on year. And he let me borrow some machines. And I took out like six cars and like, you know, a bunch of dumpsters, roll off dumpsters, and we were just literally picking up trash. It looked like people were dumping there for a long time. So for me, it happened really organically. I don't think there was like, there was no business plan. It was just a passion, no money, a recession, and a, and, and I got in my car. Mm-hmm. That was it. And, and, and I got out there and I just started digging holes. You know, obviously, with we, me and you were very fortunate to be able to travel the world for a good portion of our lives and see all these places, right? So I had in my mind, you know, I had all of these places that I really thought were really cool, you know, Bears Place or, you know, CPX or all these things. So I had like the highlight reel in my head mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, got the pen and paper out, planned it all out and just got after it. 
Now, did you know that you wanted to kind of flood it more with uh, more of the rec side, but but wanted a, a solid, decent tournament side as well? So I think that was that was really hard for me. Um, you know, I, again, we were really fortunate to meet a lot of these people, guys like Rob Stottinger, Rich Telford, guys who have literally done exactly these things, you know, mm-hmm. started fields, started teams, done all this stuff. And, you know, I just talked to a lot of these guys that, I really looked up to and uh, they pointed me in a certain direction and I'm really glad that they did um, the tournament scene in our area up here is also super small you know you're talking like 70 players the majority of them are d4 mm-hmm. you know like we had one tournament series last year and it got I don't know five d4 teams and eight d5 teams so you, you know it's a very small market but yeah when we first started, dude, I didn't have enough money to build all those fields like you see now. You know, I literally built one little town field, and then I had an old X-Ball field that I had set up, and literally I plowed it with a tractor, and we set that up. So I just started with two little fields, hmm. and that was it. And just, you know, every every weekend, build something new. Every week, I'm building and building and building constantly. So, you know, I had, I had the, the vision. A lot of people would come out there and be like, wow, and, you know, it didn't look like much at first, which is kind of, I was like, no, 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 this is going to go here and this is going to go there. And they're like, okay, dude. Yeah. Literally the guy who, who, um, like a lot of the guys who I was working with, like rolled their eyes at me and were like, okay, mm-hmm. man. And so it's kind of fun to look back now and they come out and play and stuff like that. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can definitely tell it was a passion project and that there's been a lot of time and energy and thought into, uh, into the field. I've, am extremely jealous that I'm not closer to be able to play it. I, I, I want to come play so bad. It, yeah, it you, awesome. you can come play anytime, buddy. Maybe when this stuff dies down, you're welcome to come out and uh, hang out. You know, I'm sure our kids could play together. And Hell yeah. We go, we go shoot it up. I know uh, we're having a big game this uh, in two weeks here, and I know a lot of the guys are going to fly in, like some of my friends, Horvath, and I'm hoping Faray will come up. I still talk to a lot of those guys. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's so. So did the the store and vintage paintball was that the original name and and did the the store yeah. and the the videos and the the milling of markers all come after that like an afterthought? Yeah, the the name was always vintage. Um, that kind of started. I used to when I was back on when we I played on Philly. Uh, I like coached this little team and around here and it was full of a bunch of great guys that was the name of the team Mm -hmm. and i kind of kept that team name through that whole time and uh that just seemed kind of like the natural and i I really liked so as i was thinking about it before i picked the name and solidified it it was like you know i really wanted to build a place that kind of showed all these players um each era of our sport right Right. so i wanted them to have woods ball i wanted them to have that urban field i wanted them to have hyperball i wanted them to have these castles i wanted to show them all the iterations of our game and as a recreational player that's what that's what you want you want to play it all Mm -hmm. so it kind of naturally fit that way and then as far as the store goes the store came a couple of years later um and uh the custom guns legitimately came out of boredom in the winter. Like, dude, we were bored. <laughs> makes sense. Lines. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we started, we started, you know, literally that whole project. My cousin's a machinist by trade mm-hmm. and he's my best friend. So, um, he, he was gracious enough to kind of show me some stuff and bring me into his garage. And, and that led to me buying a CNC and a lathe and monkeying around here and there. And, um, 
it was really cool, dude. It was really fun. I, I think people with those projects, they have no idea how much time, money, and stuff goes into that thing. Like, those guns cost me $3,000. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. I'm pupsing around with them for, you know, six, eight weeks or whatever, and you're building fixtures, and, you know, sometimes you break them. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, um, but it was really cool. You know, we were able to really kind of get our name out there with those custom guns. Uh, a lot of, you know, Archie shot one, and we made one for Drew, and uh, I made one for Junior Brown when he was still playing on Excessive. Um, we made some some more really unique stuff um and it was kind of cool because you know good press bad press you're still talking about us so even if people hated them they were really kind of getting a lot of attention yeah yeah dude i they stick in my the one thing that sticks in my mind which i think was kind of a staple for you guys was the 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 bar guard sure yeah i really really like uh, that yeah and that was literally i don't obviously a lot of our our listeners are probably not old enough or didn't play way back but that's something Danny did Danny used to do that to his cockers you know what I mean so like especially because if you remember we used to cut the trigger guards off and then they made that rule that you had to have a trigger guard later on so mm. then that was the easy fix from back then but for us it was just like a stylistic thing right right you know so but yeah that was totally Danny's uh that, that's where our inspiration came from anyway it was right. uh, some of Danny's old stuff and then you have the um, that Russian Legion shocker that yeah. has like a very oh yeah that's right that's right yeah that had so a, that, that had a double uh, I think it had two bar. yeah double bar yeah. yeah that one was really cool too I remember some weird shit for some reason <laughs> that that made that that uh, yeah it, it, like right when you said that it like the memory popped in my head and I was like why did I remember that yeah yeah and then the kind of like kind of it was the same thing with um it went from like this you know the field to the store to the custom guns and then we started really getting into like custom gear and making parts and so now we you know we legitimately like oem some of this stuff um which is really really fun it's just uh i think people forget you know we're like a very mom and pop small place you know Mm. so it's like we're not one of these bigger companies yeah do you so make anything for the EMEC? Uh, no, not yet, not yet. But that's a that's like literally my favorite gun, dude. Like, dude, that's all I shoot now. That's all, so awesome. That's all I have. They're they're literally that's the best mechanical gun I ever made. They're so awesome. Yeah, Planet Planet needs to be like applauded over and over for that. Dude, if if it, <clears throat> and I don't and I don't think the most spoiled people are the rental players that don't realize. <laughs> What they're shooting? <laughs> yeah, they don't realize what a piece of shit that a lot of the other markers kind of turn to. Not, I'm not taking anything away from 98s from like this, but there's there's a transition that happens from a, on a rental player's perspective that I think that when they start shooting straighter and cleaner and just it, it's a lot less of a hassle to handle and shoot, the experience yeah, yeah. is so much better. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And that's why, like, you know, and that, that was a big thing when we, we opened the field. I'm just listening to those customers, right? So we have Emacs as, like, our higher-end rentals. You can upgrade to it. Or, you know, we have thermal goggles standard as mm-hmm. our rental goggles. And, yeah, that's all stuff that's readily available. But uh, the Emac is insane. You know, you like, I'll go out and play just regular, you know, walk-ons with these guys. And they'll be like, whoa, that's like a pro-level gun. I'm like, no, dude, it's just the other rental gun right there. They're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all of our like regulars use those really. 
Yeah. Dude, it, mine is all stock. It's a stock e-mech. It doesn't have the PALs or anything like that inside of it. It's um, it's all stock except for um, I had a listener of the podcast actually send me a, uh, a slide on-off for mm-hmm. the bottom, uh, which is 100%. I was like, yes, because I, I tried to keep it a stock as much as I could. But then when that happened, I was like, of course, I don't want to screw my fucking tank on and off that thing anymore. <laughs> so I was so grateful when he, when he sent that over and he put it like a little uh, TPOP for the podcast on the bottom. I was like, absolutely, I'm using this. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's like the same with me, dude. I use the I use the the pops ASA, and because uh, I'm lazy, I don't want to take my tank off my gun. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, <laughs> you know, play every weekend, dude. You don't want to take your tank off. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, I love that. I love that thing. I did my last clinic. I did. I did with that. Yeah. No. I I've been playing. Uh, well, this obviously this year's been really goofy, but uh, I've been playing some of the mechanical stuff with some of the far side guys, and that's uh. That's been really, really fun, dude. We went down to Florida and played like that ICPL and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, it was, it was, it's a good time. I don't know if you've ever got to do that. I did. I played the Windy City one, I think, <laughs> last year. Uh, I did Tim's uh, last year as well. Has, has ICPL or anybody approached you about hosting anything um, no, at your facility? Which, no, which was really, really weird because I actually emailed them and I was like, hey, I'd love to help. <laughs> yeah. Like crickets. <laughs> I don't. I do not understand. I I don't get it because you. I was like, yeah, I, I got it all. Literally set up for it. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Like, nah. No, I think whatever. it's probably the location. Honestly, I think you know it's probably a more. It, it's definitely a more expensive airport, and we're probably like, you know, we don't have a good like Chicago. Chicago's too far away, or you know, we don't have a big metro with a lot of paintball population. Yeah. Just do, think, having do another one-off thing, just like Tim does. Yeah, it'd be sweet, man. It really would. It, but the, it, we, we would have to do it. We'd have to blow it off the hinges if we were going to do it. You know, like like Tim's arguably the best tournament in the world. You know, mm-hmm. He's, most teams and most players, everybody wants to be there. Yeah. So. But the I biggest thing I think is that once everybody goes and plays, it's over. And yeah. now it's like unless you play the ICPL or something, you know. I don't really know too many other mechanical ones. It, you have to wait until next year. But yeah. let's say I always thought about this. I was like three major, three or four major events um, that are just like kind of, you know, right. you know. Obviously, one would be at Tim's, um, and then like the one at yours, or like somewhere in the middle, or on the West Coast or East Coast. And they don't have to correlate with each other. Like it doesn't have to be a ranking thing. It doesn't. No relationship whatsoever it would just right. be like everybody holds one big tournament right. every year but you have multiple <laughs> fields doing that so it's like I, know, I think that would be sweet dude I want to play it hell yeah, it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, let's uh, if uh, if you have the time still um, yeah, yeah. I'd love to jet back into uh, into your career because I don't think very many people kind of know your kind of uh your timeline and uh i'd like to kind of hear where you started from where you went to and how did you end up on on with us playing together and and where you are now yeah man if i can if i can remember all of it you know what i mean it's uh it was a long ride it was uh i played for a bunch of local teams obviously um and was uh the first pro team that i got on was texas storm 
So that was uh, I was playing with Colt, like the jersey back there, mm-hmm. and Avery and Ryan, and we were playing ten man pro. And then the plan was is uh, that was right when the transition was going to go on with uh, the whole X ball thing. They're going from ten man to X ball, right? Mm-hmm. So then the O two. Uh, yeah, I think so. It was I, literally, I think it was the same term that Psalm did his thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think yeah, it was O two. Gotcha. Yeah, and so we went. Uh, I think, and then I played X ball with Storm for a while. Um, I got uh, one of my. You remember Lance? Lance Leonard. If I saw a face, I'm so terrible at names. Sure, he 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 played on vintage and he played around here a lot. Um, I helped I helped him like grow up, but he got a tryout for the All Americans and uh, he went and he made the team. He's, he was a really great player, mm-hmm. and uh, he literally was like, "Hey, I think he told Spash or whoever, hey Spash, I got this dude who taught me how to play back home. He's way better than me." <laughs> and Spash was like, oh, "Okay, here, what's his phone number?" And yeah, I got I got a tryout for the the Philly Americans and. Uh, and we went from there, and there was like uh, I literally made, I didn't make the team, is what was really crazy. Um, he was special offered me a spot on the All Americans, which at the time was like the the, not the NXL, the other team, right? right? And uh, <clears throat> we were down at Todd's Field in Fort Myers, and that same at the at the same time during my tryout, Detroit Thunder was there, AfterShock was there, and I think NYX was there, and they all offered me spots on their teams, but I had always wanted to play for thunder weird as it is because they were like you know the guys who got beat down all the time yeah but so i literally got in a van and with timmy in trozen and they're like yeah let's do this thing man and i was like cool i'm in and so we went i went home i'm stoked i'm gonna play for thunder i told spesh sorry you know i I really want to play in the nxl because at the time it was like the super league yeah and uh we get we get back we have one practice against trauma. We have a great practice. Everybody's really vibing. We're, we're playing really good. We go home, and it's before I, I want to say the first event. And uh, I get a call from Trozen. It's like, hey, man, uh, the team's gone. Good luck. And I was like, uh, what? And he was like, well, essentially, what had happened was um, at the time, Crossman, who owned Detroit Thunder, um, sold the team and that's when the strange Detroit mm. strange became a team that's so right. essentially all of the those guys went everywhere you know so Trozen went to trauma and Timmy and me went to Philly he did play for trauma I need to get that asshole on the podcast too because I've been yeah. meaning to talk to him yeah and you know LP and Blake went to shock and fatty came to Philly and yeah so the team kind of dispersed um, but it was like a literally you know it, we had a great team put together um, and so then I played for Philly for a little bit and was traded to Miami effect and then was, tr- cause that's when they traded players. That's right. So th- that's also when I want to say the gardeners purchased Miami effect, the name, the NXL name because the soil left to go play seven man. Yeah. So he gave up like his rights to, to that, I think. So were you contracted? Yeah, we were under contract, man. We couldn't play any of the seven mans. We couldn't do any of that. We were literally paid and contracted. Nobody could, they wouldn't even let people take pictures of you. So those are like literally That's the bulk right. of That's what right. I played. Was, we called them the lost years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we we did the Miami Effect thing. When, that's when I met like, you know, Jason Edwards and Ryan Moorhead. And we had a, I mean, we didn't have a good team, but 
those two players were remarkable even then, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all played really well together and stuff. And uh, me and Ryan are, were, became really close friends and same with Jason. And uh, I, me and Ryan got traded back to Philly after we like made all these relationships. And that was like literally at a tournament. They traded us back. And I was just like, so I, and we played them. Mm-hmm. So I literally like changed my uniform and then played the team I was just on. It was really goofy, man. That is weird. So we, I played on Philly for a while, and then uh, in 06, we won that Texas event. And I vividly remember us all like sitting around. This is gonna, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not like bitter or anything, you know what I mean? But I vividly remember us all sitting around and especially saying, you guys are awesome. I'll never sell you guys out. You guys are my family. And I got, I got traded the next event. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for it. Yeah, so I got traded to Shock. Um, this is gonna sound, this this is gonna sound like super weird, okay? So I and I, I can't verify this all 100%, but it all really made sense. And I was always like, dude, why would I get traded? We just won, you know. Mm-hmm. We're all, I thought we were all we were all good. In here, so do you remember Bo Carson? He was like the executive producer with with Dick Clark, I guess, for this whole NXL deal. Mm-hmm. Anyways, long story short, higher ups at the NXL, so I'm told. We're friends with Adam, and Adam, Bo Carson was whatever related somehow to Rob Plum. You remember Rob Plum? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's who I got traded for. So there was like a backdoor deal because Rob oh, wanted to yeah. go to Philly, and Re- they when they called Rennick for for the trade, he was like, "Well, I don't have any money. I need some from the Midwest, and I'm the only guy from the Midwest." Mm-hmm. So that then I went. But that that was the story that I was fed from someone, and I don't really remember who, or I can't confirm. It's it, a good conspiracy theory. It, I thought it was cool, yeah. and so I went I went there and uh, played for them for a little bit. I actually butted heads with Psalm, and uh, kind of. Well, that's me. very unique because I feel like not very many people butt heads with Psalm. So I don't know, right? You know, I don't know where you're coming <laughs> from there. <laughs> so I uh, I, uh, I I kind of left the team. I. And then uh, I just, I think I, I guested for someone or something for an event. And then I jumped, I went out to California for a couple of weeks. I actually lived those couple of weeks with Marcus Nielsen. He was playing for excessive. Interesting. So that was the most interesting, whatever, however, I don't recall how many weeks I was there, but he was, he's a definitely one of the most interesting men in the world. Um, I'd love to talk to him. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you'd get him to sit down this long. <laughs> So uh, I, uh, he was playing for excessive. I made the team, and then he stopped coming to practice. And we call him, and he's like, "Yeah, Rich, sorry, paintball's just getting in the way of the dream." <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like yeah, it sounds like Marcus. Yeah. So, um, and at the time, I think in '07, buddy, that's when we were doing excessive. Was doing seven man, and then I I remember playing. For shock, I played for shock in 08, mm-hmm. but I want to say I was I was like, I think because shock was only X ball at the time and excessive was only seven man at the time. I think no, we played some X ball too. Yeah, but anyways, it went excessive, and then shock, and then uh, and then we started mutiny. Mm. Um, how mutiny started was. <clears throat> because when I was in sh- on shock in 08, it was like me and Nick and Cody, um, Tommy, and 
a, a lot of Tommy's NTK kids like Shane and Dirt and um, Eric Westerberg and, and stuff like that. I might be forgetting somebody, but anyway, Rennick didn't want anything to do with the seven man thing. He wanted, he just kind of let us do it. And so we were like, wow, we did this all on our own without anybody. Mm-hmm. Let's just make our own team. And that's how Mutiny kind of started. Me and Tommy just put everything together. And um, Horvath was like a, an addition. And uh, we just started doing that whole thing. And I played on that team for a while. And uh, <clears throat> I ended up leaving just because I didn't think the guys were taking it too serious anymore. Um, and went back to excessive. And that's, uh, I think that was in 2012, and that's when we, like, won the series and won Huntington Beach and, like, had a lot of success. And uh, That's crazy because I don't, I don't, I left at the end of 2009. So from, mm-hmm. from 2010 until halfway through 2013, I didn't have anything to do with paintball. I, I, I didn't really follow it at all. I didn't really, and you even saying that I had I had no no idea that you that, that you guys had won Huntington Beach or the series or anything because I know the MPBL was structured differently too. Yeah, yeah, it was it was actually really cool, man. It was seven on seven, fifteen balls a second, semi-auto guns, and we were playing like a, I think it was a race to three or a best of three, like kind of like X-Bally but seven man but with sweet guns. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. I always I, I liked the seven man thing. I always thought the seven man was it was intriguing, right? So like, you know, if you looked at the rosters, you're like, wow, that that roster isn't quite as good as that roster. But if they played better, they could beat them. And mm-hmm. I always liked I liked that more than like the superstar factor. I liked that whole like teamwork factor, or you know, you can even in the lower divisions, you'd see like an older team smash a younger team just because they were really good together and they've been playing together for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was always intrigued by that, but yeah. And then I think in 2012 we did really well. See, this is where it kind of gets foggy because this is where like I guested with a bunch of teams. I was playing like three leagues and all that. Mm-hmm. You you came back when you were doing that thing. Didn't you come back? I, I talked to you at a tournament and then the next tournament you were playing with the X factor, I think. Uh, I had I came back in thirteen, played the shock uh, for the rest of thirteen, fourteen, and then X Factor was fifteen, mm. and then sixteen on was aftershock again. Okay, yeah, because I remember because these late like the fourteen, fifteen. Because remember, I got hurt in fifteen, or was it fourteen? I don't remember. Might have been the end of fourteen. Yeah. But I was uh, went from excessive back to shock in there. I think it was like thirteen or fourteen or fifteen. Because when you were on the team, when did you jump on? Did you jump on in fourteen? I think so. I think it was fourteen and fifteen, and then I I I hurt my knee really bad, and Rennick cut me for it. Well, that sucks. Yeah, that was that was a really that was kind of sad for me because it was like. I literally told him, I was like, Ren, the only, dude, all I want to do is play for Aftershock. I bleed blue, dude. And he's like, I'm sorry, you'll just never be the same. And I was like, dang, all right. What? Really? Yeah, I mean, he was, he, I don't know. I, I don't know if he, he was being truthful or what, but, you know, I was, I really wanted to play for that team. And at that point, I, 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 I told him too, I was like, hey, man, how about 
you know, I just pay my own way and work my way back into the roster. And he's just like, I, I just don't think it's a good fit. I was like, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh-huh. Interesting. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what happened. I need, cause I needed that, that, that was like a, essentially that tendon like exploded in my knee. So I needed to stay Jesus. off it for a while. So I think I might've had to take a half a year or a year off. Cause I, I couldn't walk and shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I came back, I played with mutiny, I think after that for a little bit and wasn't taking it very seriously. And then, uh, when Tommy really, Tommy really threw a lot of money at the team in 2018 and, um, we brought in Joey Blute and, uh, he coached and really put the, he's the one who made everything work between mm-hmm. him and Tommy funding it and uh joey putting it all together which is funny because me and joey are like best friends now i don't know if you know that no no yeah um but yeah he uh he put everything together obviously brian smith we pulled him out of joey pulled him out of retirement and a lot of the new kids didn't know who he was and he came out there and was just like one balling dude oh yeah whack whack like it was a it was a turkey shoot for him yeah smith's nasty he is insane he's the most underrated underrated player in the league for sure Mm -hmm. um and we had Elias, uh, who was really kind of getting his feet under him, you know, really, um, he really knew what to do that year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Horvath is obviously super, super talented. And then Noah yeah. Cross was with us. So it was a really, a really great team, man. And, uh, we had a lot of success and, uh, we just couldn't, uh, continue that financially the following year. And so the majority of those puzzle pieces left and, um, stepped away and now here you are yeah and then you know the nrg thing was for a couple of um a couple of 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 events and they have a really really great camp um they have a lot of really good players i think they'll have a lot of success here in the pro league in a couple of years you know once they can develop those players and you know you can't you can't buy that type of cohesion and 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 stuff right off the, the bat like that it really takes time to develop those teams and you know that experience at that level mm-hmm. yeah I, I think it's the same way with uh that that um level up team yeah uh, they're, they're good team. guys man yeah 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 they're all it's like mostly mostly the dz guys right yeah, uh yeah yep yeah and they're all they're all cool dudes funny that that was a funny story because like in 2018 i it was either the beginning of 2018 or the the end uh it, jansen wanted out of from boom and he called us to buy his spot. And when I was on NRG, I, I kind of linked Jansen up with the NRG guys, and that's how NRG has their pro spot. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's weird, too. Right? It's a <laughs> small world. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you think about those pro spots, and, you know, it, it takes – to be able to come in and make a statement, you definitely have, have to have a team that has been playing together for a while. And who is – you know, halfway decently good, obviously, but you really just not until you get on that that pro circuit and you kind of pay your toll, uh, will you really really realize what the team is made of if you're gonna stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the kind of thing, same thing with with aftershock, right? I mean, we we had, I think we had a very underrated stretch um, when we played for them. I, I feel like we had 
so many close games, so many one point yeah. games, and every game was a heartbreaker, dude. Dude, every game we were we I don't know if we weren't working hard enough at practice, if whatever that last ten percent was, we just could not find it. Yeah, I was like. There, there was that one event where you and Sos were just on fire. It was, uh, I think we took third. We, I think, didn't we beat like Art Chaos and all these nasty, like, like super teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dude, we beat. So, I miss Sos, man. Dang. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and dude, I miss the, I miss everybody out there, you know. And and I remember that was that was uh, like a Mid Atlantic or something or no. It was, was it Dallas? Was it a Dallas? No, event? no, it was in the Midwest. So I thought it was in the Midwest somewhere, where, or like on the it's East just Coast. So many tournaments we played. I think right. <laughs> I think it was on the East Coast somewhere because I remember it being a field where everybody was playing it slow. Yes. And um, I remember everybody was like, "Well, aftershock's gonna they're gonna do the same thing that they're always doing, and they're just gonna run through." And like we played it really well, and. Yeah. Um, I remember that was the that was the tournament that if we're talking about the right one, which I'm thinking we're, we are, was we played Impact, and it was when <laughs> I remember it was when um, Kirky didn't. <laughs> you remember? You remember? Uh, he was he stayed in the back tower, and um, because uh, AJ was going down the snake and just like just tinking guys off traded the clock was winding down he got out of the box and the and the clock was winding down and he just ended up staying in that back tower rather than pushing to be able to go and like hang the flag or hit the button or whatever the hell it was um <laughs> but i remember that because we were like kirk bro you had to go man you had to go but it, it was we were kirk is like the most for for the listeners kirk is like the most genuine coolest oh i love dude. that kid he's yeah. got a heart of gold man mm-hmm. that's yeah. why i couldn't yell at him that's what i mean <laughs> we could even bruno i feel like couldn't yell at him like we, we gave him the softest like even though if we i guarantee if he would have if we would have hit that buzzer and tied impact we would have won, I believe, the next point and would have won the tournament, I think. Um, even though I believe that, I still – I don't blame Kirk. No. At 1% or you less. Think Kirk, you think Kirk loses sleep over that? Maybe sometimes. <laughs> every, every once in a while. It, he maybe thinks about it, but I don't think he gives a shit anymore. <laughs> He's probably like, ah. But, but I know that every once in a while he, he sits down and goes, I should have. I should have fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't everybody does? You know what I mean, dude. I still get like sometimes when I'm watching. Um, uh, I got on Go Sports and just for shits and giggles, I I go back and watch how bad I play. Um, and uh, like I such I'm such a terrible critic on myself. Yeah. And I go back and I'm like, man, I really thought that went a different way. What was I thinking on some of those things? And just like. <laughs> But I mean, it, sometimes it worked out, and sometimes it doesn't. And um, but I think everybody is like their worst critic. Absolutely, man. I hundred uh, percent agree. But that you have to be right. That's a, that's self improvement. You're a pro athlete. That's how it is. Right. Former. Former yeah. pro athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I think Fari said it to me. He's like, "No, you're not a pro athlete. You're a volunteer pro paintball player." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
for one year, for one year, and it was 2007, I was paid uh, month or was it monthly? It was paid. I was paid monthly to play professional paintball. So you know what? Yes. I can at least say in my lifetime that I was a professional <laughs> athlete. Yes. Yes. The the good days. I mean, it used to be really, really good now. Like, they really took care of you in that superstar NXL, you know. It was a, it was a wild time. And I was probably the lowest guy on the totem pole, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At the time, like, you know, Deerman is like the Federoff now. You know, yeah. he was like considered the best player. Yeah, so I know. I know. I know. He was doing very well. I think the crazy part is, is I think a lot of these guys, you know, they think they're going to do it forever. Yeah. yeah, that's. Uh, I think I saw that I couldn't do it forever, and that's where the the field came because I wanted. I want to be doing this forever. I just can't. We can't play at that level forever. Right, right, and you know, you know that re- reality different definitely set in. But what I think. I started to do was I always thought of myself as pretty creative so I I always like just wrote down and drew out ideas for products for paintball yeah. that I thought yeah. because I was like that's that's how I wanted to give back um uh is is be able to help out the paintball community in, in one way or another and I would love actually to run a paintball field up here cuz we desperately need one in in this area it's just sure. like between Michigan and Indiana and Pennsylvania like this specific spot we need one so bad but there's just it's it's weird the lands are, are weird the people are weird with you know just renting it out around here and it's it's tough is, is Pando's place too far it's two and a half from me okay so, so he's much more south yeah yeah so in in meaning we need one around here like he is obviously like within driving distance but anybody in southern michigan you know i don't know if they're going to want to drive you know an hour down and then another two and a half down from northwest ohio down to columbus for right. I, I would be a good uh middle ground sure for, for Where, where's places. all rick's fields like the tcp places and stuff those are i think are, yeah i think they're mid and and north northern okay. michigan which is like four plus I mean, the more paintball fields, the better, man. Just the more exposure, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, uh, I think the the perception is a little different because it's something, it's, it's legitimately something you could do like in your backyard, right? Mm-hmm. But to do it on like a grandiose level is, uh, you know, it's multi-million dollars. Yeah. 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 You know it's what I mean? It's definitely scaled differently. If you're going to, if you're going to get wild with it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You got to start bringing numbers into play. Yeah, nice things cost money. I <laughs> <laughs> see. I, as much as I say I like to run a paintball field, I, I would like to just be a product development more than like. <laughs> I actually just like to tell you what to make. <laughs> I just yeah, I just want to come up with the ideas, and uh, then somebody else can go and make them. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm with it. <laughs> I just that's honestly that's what I started kind of doing on my own i mean you could you could start doing that just jump on alibaba bro and google paintball right that's true you know what i mean like start there it's uh you have enough connections to where you could probably find some people and make some stuff and do your own stuff yeah we'll I see mean, we'll see i w- actually want to i'm gonna I'm wrap this up but uh yeah uh, i i want to just chit chat after this uh with you on, on a few different things and uh kind of get your opinion on something and 
Sure. But dude, I, I do. Thank you so much for sitting down and, and chatting with me. I've always wanted to kind of know your story and know the, 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 the ideas and everything behind, um, you know, vintage and the field and yourself too, because I feel like we know each other, but we don't really, we've never really talked longer than this. I mean, mm-hmm. and I noticed that with a lot of people that I, that I have, uh, I'm really good. I'm really good friends with. And then I sit down with them. I was like, I never knew any of this shit about you. Cause it was always just <laughs> mostly business, but having fun while doing it whenever we were meeting. Yeah. I would, I would all, I would compare it. Cause my wife's always asking me, you know, we've been to how many hundreds of cities but how many cities have we really been to? It's like I've seen the paintball field, the hotel room, and some restaurants, and that's probably it. Yeah. You know, yeah. at least for me, that that was the, the bulk of that experience. You know, I wasn't, you know, traveling around and actually seeing all the sites. So it's yeah. kind of like the same, same with these a lot of these guys. You're traveling with these guys, and it's really just meat and potatoes of the paintball side. You don't get to sit down and actually dig a little deeper. Right. One thing that I think back – um, I would have done a little bit differently was taken advantage of the popularity of of myself and the team I was playing for and in the off season do like a traveling clinic or something mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean and, and tr- yeah. kind of pursue something like that um, before it was you know, something to think about yeah no absolutely the van life do something yeah. fun yeah, gypsy dude, around I love traveling I love seeing new stuff I'm I'm, I'm you know at, the, at this point in my life, I'm like, dude, I love being home. And now it's, <laughs> and now it's there. <laughs> and now it's there. Awesome, man. Well, let's chit-chat a little bit after this. But, again, thank you so much. And, um, yeah, I'd love to catch up once, you know, paintball itself kind of gets kicking and going again. And yeah, see if we can get out to your field. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye. Ooh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Aaron. It was great finally talking to you, man. And I'm, I hope we didn't wake the kids up because we, we, <laughs> we were laughing a little bit there. But I'm sure they'll be all right. It'll be okay. Um, thanks again, brother. brother and I, I really hope that uh, hope for the best for your field, um, for your store, for everything. Uh, I'm really happy for you. And um, it's, just, it's just awesome to see people, people doing well. So appreciate it, brother. Uh, another big thank you goes to Charm City Paintball. Again, guys, please, if you are considering changing your headgear or looking for something new, uh, make sure you at least scroll over by Charm City Paintball and give him a little look-see because he has some amazing product up there. I promise you that you, something will catch your eye. He's always popping out something. And... Um, it's, it's all super high quality. I have some stuff here in front of me, and it's just the, the feel, the material, and the fabric that he uses. It's not your everyday stuff. I'm telling you. It, you're not going to find this uh, with going to all these big manufacturers where they make a trillion of the same headband. These are all individually made. They all are going to have different patterns. Uh, just because he's the one cutting the patterns and making them. So they're all one of one pretty much and uh and i'm just i'm a sucker for stuff like that i like having the, the one of ones the the one of the fuse kind of a thing and I, I think they're all uh i think they're all awesome but uh yeah make sure you check them out also check out melavio uh that's m-e-l-l-o-v-e-o.com and uh get your cbd on and check them out you will get 15 percent off if you use the promo code capital t-p-o-p uh, make sure you use it at checkout save a little bit of money 
but please if you're even if you're even thinking about CBD give them a shout they have amazing products myself I prefer the topicals as well as the flower it's nice and relaxing to my anxiety um, it also helps out my joints and is just has been working amazing for me so uh, I can't say enough good things about uh, about the company so appreciate it thank you Charm City and Melavio and thank you to everybody out there uh, I, I I really do enjoy everybody uh, you know giving their feedback on the podcast and just how influential it's been or how ranty I can be <laughs> and, and just going off on things but but it's fun and I really do appreciate it and I uh, I'm glad that I'm able to contribute in this very small minute fraction of a thing in the paintball community um, in the paintball world and uh, it's the it's the least I can do and, and you know, I'm so grateful to be able to have people listening and um, and just being encouraging I, I, I'm just glad that I can help out in any way possible so thank you everybody please do not text and drive make sure you listen to podcasts like this one and we'll see you here again soon on the playing on podcast Peace.